0: Welcome to The Rob Burgess Show, I am of course your host Rob Burgess. On this, our 85th episode, our guest is Maureen Mulherron. Maureen Mulharon is a born and raised Ukiah, California kid turned accidental politician. Mo has two local businesses, she sells insurance and she does marketing for other local businesses. When she saw a need to step up and take a leadership role in her community, she ran for a seat on the Ukiah City Council. You can find out more by visiting her webpage at www.MaureenMulherrin.com. That's M-A-U-R-E-E-N. M-U-L-H-E-R-E-N.com Or find her on her Facebook page, which you can find by searching Marine Mo Mulharon, Ukiah City Council. And as you'll hear later in the episode, if you want to donate to the victims of the recent wildfires, you can also find the Community Foundation of Mendocino County at www.communityfound.org. And now on to the show. This is Mo Hey Mo, it's Rob
1: Hey Rob, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, I am so sorry I totally forgot about our meeting at 10 o'clock um, I am available to talk so Oh, and cool ho- Hopefully nobody um, Yells at me
0: <laughs> Okay, well if they do We can always stop and, and restart, it's okay um, But uh, yeah So for people that don't know who you are Go ahead and, and introduce yourself here
1: Okay, so my name is Maureen Mulhern from Ukiah, California, the best place on earth.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you, are, you have many, many titles, of course. Uh, the Mo you know is, of course, the one everyone uh, knows you by first, but um, what, are, what are some of the things that people would, would know you from title-wise here?
1: Well, so I am a local insurance agent, and I also own a marketing business, Ukiah Valley Networking Agency. And I'm on the Ukiah City Council, so a lot of local people know me from that.
2: hmm yeah, yeah, and I,
0: I knew you before you were on the on the city council, but it, it definitely didn't surprise me when I, uh, I heard you were running and then won because it seemed like you were kind of headed in that direction. And actually, before I I knew that, I actually had had known about your your father uh, from the paper, and, and he's very active in local politics and pretty outspoken. So I imagine with growing up with him, it was probably a natural thing that you'd want to get involved in politics, right?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I know what people all the time are like. What made you get into this- Well, it wasn't really a choice, so I think I probably went to my first planning commission meeting when I was in junior high. Uh And, um, yeah, my dad ran for city council. He um, also ran for board of supervisor, and he was the president of the North Coast Builders Exchange and president of the Chamber of Commerce. So my whole life I grew up with having an involved family in local politics. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't... Was my goal to run for city council when I was 37, (laughs) but and that was when I was 27. So that was my 10-year goal. But when um, 2014, when the election came around, there were two seats that the incumbents weren't running for. So there were three open seats. One incumbent ran again, and mm-hmm. there were eight people that ended up running for those three seats.
2: hmm
0: Yeah. And once you actually kind of threw your hat in the ring, what was uh, different between your expectations when you before you decided to run, and then the, actually the reality of it? Because once you're in the mix, I'm sure it's a little different.
1: Oh yeah no it was it was actually pretty hilarious because there were three open um three open seats, and so I had sort of asked around with people that I knew were going to run or were already interested and was like, hey, are you going to run, are you going to run, sort of a thing. So I only knew of one other person, so I'm like, oh, this is easy. You know, you have the one incumbent, you have the one guy I already know, and then me, so that's three spots, so, like, no big deal. And then and then it comes out that there's eight people for three spots. I was like, you guys, I'm trying to do my thing here. Why are you running against me? Like, give me a break. But it all turned out okay. You know, I didn't really have any expectations of what the election process looked like or what, you know, what that even meant. So just I think we probably did at least four debate type um forums, like candidate forums, and then uh, we had to write several article, you know, Q&As for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. It was actually really involved for what you would think small town, you know, city council person would have to do.
2: hmm yeah, absolutely. So I,
1: I barely tw- by I won by 24 votes.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say it was I remember it being a pretty slim margin there. It was it was kind of down to the wire, so <laughs> I, I guess was. every little thing counts, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, every single vote counts, especially in a small local election like mm-hmm. that. For sure. Right. Yeah.
0: Definitely. And now that you've been on the, you know, job for a few years, what have been some of the things that you haven't expected that have kind of taken up more of your time? I'm sure there's a lot of detail-oriented stuff that you've had to get, you know, involved in now that you're actually doing the job, so.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that the most, one of the most challenging things for me is just how slow, how long it takes for things to happen, how mm-hmm. slow the process is. You know, I've been on some ad hocs for, I've been on the cannabis ad hoc for two years. And mm-hmm. we're, we're just now really moving forward with the auxiliary business Um Ordinance, and we still haven't even talked about uh, recreational cannabis in Ukiah. So that's one of the things that's been interesting. But I am um, also—I think the sheriff called me Type A. Like I research <laughs> a lot when I'm about to ha- you know when I'm about to make a decision. I don't just you know show up and and start checking boxes. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of research about what's going to be best and that's probably been more time-consuming than I thought it was going to be.
2: Yeah, you really do get
0: into the details, and and of course, I'm Facebook friends with you, so I always watch your uh, Facebook Live videos that you do, Um, and has that been a good way to kind of communicate with the constituents there? I imagine that's kind of a newer thing that, you know, local politicians haven't really had to do in the past, but I think that's probably a good way to to get in touch with people, because that's kind of where people are, is, you know, Facebook and things like that, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, having social media at, and 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 being pretty good at connecting with people through social media has totally helped me make decisions um, because you're you know most people they get off of work, they go home, maybe they have to take their kids to soccer or some other sport or art or whatever it is. And people just don't like meetings. You know, they don't want to come to a meeting. So if I can throw out a question or get some feedback from people on social media, then I definitely use that as a tool because sometimes I call myself the voice of the rest of us. So not the five people that come to the city council meeting about the same subject every time. Like, I'm the voice of the people that aren't there because they are at soccer, because they are, you know, working two jobs mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So I'm, I pride myself on being able to to get feedback um, from, from the community in various ways. I also um, do a monthly coffee meeting at Black Oak Coffee, which is a super awesome local coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And people can come and talk to me about whatever they want. So if there's a hot topic, they'll come and talk about that um, or if they just want to come and sit and chat and, and talk about whatever's happening in Ukiah. I also go to the Meet the Editor meeting mm-hmm. with Kesey Meadows at um, at Shots, and that's Thursday mornings at 7.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's always somebody different there that wants to talk about maybe a fundraiser that they're having or an issue that they have with local government or whatever it is. I definitely hear from people by doing that Mm -hmm. and then i also um do a monthly community walk on the rail trail and so i'll often have a chance to talk to people while doing that we just had one for halloween we do witches and wheels and so people dress up like witches and we go for a walk and you know we could talk about the courthouse project or what's happening with the grace Hudson museum Mm -hmm. um, what's happening with the extension of the rail trail so I'm also, you know, just out there enough that people feel comfortable enough to come into my office and talk to me or or call me or send me an email. So, yeah, I think I get a lot of community feedback Mm -hmm. besides from people actually showing up at a meeting, if that makes sense.
0: Right, right. And when is the next time you'll have to run for office here? Next year or?
1: Next year, yeah. 2018. That's a four-year seat.
0: I see. So is that something you've already started your campaign for or?
1: Well, I definitely plan on running again. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess maybe just that it's out there that I know um, that I will be doing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I haven't really started a <laughs> campaign campaign per se. I, see. I was um, I was telling my dad my signs all said twenty fourteen. He was like, "You should have got them that didn't say the actual oh. um, the year on them." And I was like, "Well." Wow. <laughs>
0: Just sl- slice off the bottom part or something, I guess. <laughs> right.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: But um, how have you had to, you know, I'm sure, you know, you're you're a small business owner. Like you said, you're on the city council. You have a family. You have all these different hats you wear. Has it been hard to juggle all those different responsibilities now that you've been, a, you know, in the public eye like this?
1: I mean, honestly, sometimes um, I have a 19-year-old daughter and a 7-year-old daughter, and the 19-year-old has a career in real estate and she's you know sort of off doing her own thing but the seven-year-old is you know sometimes she's like we have to go to another meeting we have to do another event like why can't we just hang out like normal people <laughs> like oh well your mother's not normal honey this is what we're do. you know i think she went she went to her first chamber of commerce meeting when she was like five days old so um you know she's pretty she's pretty used to it but sometimes she does You know, ask for a little more attention to not have to be at some type of event.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Right, right. Well, and uh, so part of the reason I wanted to talk to you now is that you guys just got done uh, having those horrible fires. And um, I, of course, I used to live in Ukiah and I was there during the uh, lightning uh, complex fire. So I remember how bad that was, but how did that compare to to this time and and what were some of the differences?
1: Well, I think really the loss of life has been devastating Mm -hmm. for our community. So um, even though Santa Rosa definitely had, um, bigger losses. We are smaller. And so even, um, you know, the people that have passed away, I think has really been impactful in our community. I mean, the stories of, of, um, of people escaping the fire, it just happened so quickly, Mm -hmm.
2: uh,
1: have been, it's so sad to hear, you know how how much that those people had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we're all grateful that they made it through, but it was, I think, much larger and much more impactful than any fire that we've had around here. And mm-hmm. it's a little it's a little sad because we're getting. Um, I'm trying to choose the right word. It's you know. Santa Rosa is definitely bigger than us. Are definitely mm-hmm. had had more loss, but at the same time, like we are a smaller community, so we are a little um, tighter wound. And I mm-hmm. think we're also probably. Um, less wealthy, you mm-hmm. know. So some of those folks that lost their house didn't have insurance, um, and and that's super hard then for them to have to figure out what their next plan is. Some Even some that did have insurance didn't have... So uh, around here, we definitely have a housing shortage as it is. Mm-hmm. So some of the people that lived in River Valley had a pretty sweet deal as far as what they were getting for rent, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. so now... There's, there's nowhere else where they can go find that kind of, you know, price or the the amount of land that they mm-hmm. had before or that sort of thing. So it's sort of flipped the way that the housing around here has worked. And mm-hmm. I think it will be interesting in comparison to the Valley fires in Lake County two years ago to see how many people stay and rebuild and how many people Um, move on. Mm. I think it's around close to 400 families lost their homes Mm. in between River Valley and Potter Valley and um, Willits. And so I think, you know, maybe some of the people that were on the fence and they were already going to go to Montana or Idaho or Texas Mm -hmm. will probably take their insurance money and do that. Mm. And it will be interesting to see if people from Santa Rosa relocate to Mendocino County hmm. because they um, may not even, I mean, I just read an article, they may not even rebuild that Fountain Grove area. I guess it's the second time they've had a fire in the last 50 years or so. And oh, so they're wow. looking at, hey, is this even a good idea? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. What are we going to rebuild here? So right. it's going to be a, a really interesting shift, I think, in the cultures between um Yeah, what happens in Mendocino County, what happens in Sonoma County, because we are so closely, Mm -hmm. you know, geographically we're close, so...
0: Yeah, well, you just you just touched on so many things I wanted to talk about there. But, yeah, the, the one thing I, I did keep seeing was that Mendocino County kept feeling like they were not being remembered when people were, were talking about this. You know, all the headlines I would see were Napa, Sonoma, and it's like, well, I've seen that video or you know, videos of people driving through Redwood Valley and making it by the skin of their teeth, and it just looks like a war zone, and it's like, are we not mentioning this? Like, why is this not important, too? So it just seemed like kind of a gap in the public conversation consciousness there that people don't realize quite how devastating it was. So.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's hard because part of me is kind of like, I don't want those news crews up here.
2: You know,
1: I met one man, they were evacuated. They hadn't been allowed back in and his wife found out that they had lost their home on the 11 o'clock news. Mm. So imagine how devastating that would be to a family that hasn't even been there you know, he said that they were showing pictures of his house and they hadn't even been allowed back in yet. So mm-hmm. that's, to me, that's, you know, that's not the way you want to find out no, about it. Absolutely not. But I think that the really important thing is that our elected officials were here. So whether or not it made it in the news, mm-hmm. they were here helping us. Um, Huffman was here, McGuire is here, Jim Wood was here, but like, the fire happened very early Monday morning. They were here by Tuesday, starting mm-hmm. to figure out how to get relief funds here, how to get declared a, a disaster. You know, so sometimes I think maybe most people felt like um, that we didn't want to be ignored. Some people felt the other way, like okay, whatever, let them ignore us. <laughs> you know, we're here. Cause <laughs> but if you're if you're thinking about though, like maybe the GoFundMe's or the mm-hmm. the the um the amount of contributions that can come from around the country mm-hmm. for people to help like i get that you know what i mean i right. see i see why you would want some as far as just having news cameras tromping through our mm-hmm. our devastated you know, sure. fire. I'm, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I use that <laughs> <laughs> that makes
2: sense. Right? No, absolutely. Yeah. Now, how
0: bad was the smoke? Because I remember that was the one thing in Ukiah. Because it's between, the course of course, the mountain ranges, and that smoke from the lightning complex fire. I remember just kind of pooled there, and it was just I was just you know so like short of breath all the time. And I remember I was walking home from uh, Lucky's one day, and I just had a <laughs> grocery bags in each hand. and I was like, oh, I could just take a nap behind the. Bush and I'm like, no, Rob, keep walking, keep walking. Uh, <laughs> this yeah, is this no is what right. happens right before you never come home. So <laughs>
1: <Right>.
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah, was was the smoke really bad this time too, or?
1: Uh, yeah, it definitely was. Uh, I think that maybe because everything happened so quickly, and because mm-hmm. the Valley Fire had happened two years ago. I don't want to say we were prepared, but we were more prepared mm. than we would have been if the, if it hadn't been for the Valley fires, because we um, learned so much from them. So the county had masks that they were giving out. I think they gave out like a thousand oh, nice. of okay. the nice. the masks for air quality. And um, they canceled school for a week mm. to keep the kids inside. Right. So, yeah, we definitely... I think we're more prepared to be able to handle that than, Mm -hmm. um, than we would have been without learning from the, from the Valley fire.
0: Right. Absolutely. Now you mentioned that it kind of happened fast. Was that another difference? Because I I felt like that was a big thing that people kept saying was that this just happened. It just happened out of nowhere. It seemed like,
1: yeah, I think it was only a few hours before. So as far as I understand, um, the, there was a transformer that blew, and the winds have been so bad that it just swept the fire so quickly. And, yeah, there were people that were not registered on the Nixle system. There oh. were people that, you know, lived pretty far remotely. So they definitely didn't really have much of a warning. Mm-hmm. Um People were driving as they were driving out. They were honking horns and trying to like you know wake people up because mm-hmm. of, that was the other thing. Is the middle of the night, so you know of course if it had happened during the day, probably the majority of the people would have already been in town at work. Mm-hmm. So um, it definitely caught people unaware.
2: Which, mm-hmm.
1: As hard as it is, sometimes it takes a disaster to be prepared. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because um, I think it was the month before this fire happened, three weeks or so, the city and the county had a disaster preparedness workshop mm-hmm. and I went and there were like six people there, right? Mm-hmm. Because we just already talked about nobody likes to go to meetings.
2: Sure.
1: But I was thinking as I'm sitting there, like you guys, Texas is flooded. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be able to, take care of ourselves if something happens Mm -hmm. and nobody was there. But I think that I I have heard that there are more people that are signing up to be volunteer firemen. Mm -hmm. Um, We have cert. So that's, you know, that's another volunteer organization or the sheriff's search and rescue. People Mm -hmm. are signing up to be volunteers. So I think sometimes a disaster kind of, encourages you or spurs you on to be like, oh, yeah, I should take those classes. I should get involved. Mm -hmm. I should be ready.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. And then you, like you mentioned, work in insurance, and I'm sure you were working both, you know, your city council responsibilities and your insurance. Uh, Were you still able to sign people up for insurance even through that? Like, or is it too late by the time all that's happening? you got to think ahead, I guess.
1: Yeah. So what the insurance companies do is they basically lock out a zip code. so, um, Valley got locked out right away, so you couldn't get a new policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ukiah had some more availability, but then they locked that one out, too, within, like, a day, within 24 hours of the fire. So, basically, any new policies, there was a moratorium, and you couldn't get a new policy. Uh. So, um, I did keep a list, and thankfully, the people that... Um, that didn't have the House of Burn can now get insurance because the fire is technically 100% contained so um, they can get insurance. You know, one of the things that's going to be really interesting is it's called an ISO rating or brush hazard risk Mm -hmm. in insurance. And so, for instance, if you live next door to the fire department, your risk rating would be a one. Mm -hmm. If you live uh, way off in the country in a more remote location, your risk rating would be a 10. So it will be interesting to see what happens with the state of California, and if they re-rate, there were over 200 fires in California burning at the same time Mm -hmm. as our fire was. Mm. So I would anticipate that the insurance, um, many of the insurance companies will start dropping people. That's what happened after Mm. the Valley fire. They were just like, on your next renewal, we're not renewing you. Mm. So what I want everybody to know is a lot like, how in California you can get insurance through the state if you can't find another company to insure you for your auto insurance. Mm -hmm. So the same thing happens with the homes. So every home in California can have insurance. It's through a state-required program called California Fair Plan, Mm -hmm. and it basically... um, Covers the your home mm-hmm. to make sure that you can rebuild uh, if something does happen. Because I do anticipate that some of the bigger companies are going to start dropping uh, people in our area, which oh, wow. which is a bummer, but. There's an alternative. My um, you know, my, my biggest worry is that there's so many people that don't know about the alternative. Hmm. They don't know that it's an option. You know, they get that letter that says you can't have insurance, and they're like, oh, well, great. Now what <laughs> am I going to do? Right. But there's a plan B. You know, there's something else out there for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The other thing that always gets me is the renter's insurance, is people just don't think they need it or they think it might be too expensive and it's definitely not expensive. It's definitely affordable. So that's, that's my other big championing thing, you mm-hmm. know, is get that renter's insurance, be prepared. It'll cover to replace your belongings and it will also um, cover what's called loss of use. So it would cover you to stay in a motel or um, or whatever you need to do to to find another place, maybe, you know, you need a uh, deposit or something like that. You're, that coverage could cover that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's my other big thing.
0: Right. I Definitely. That's it. So yeah. now is the federal government coming through with any FEMA aid? I know we had some, you know, uh, tornadoes around here and then we lost out on the fema money because it was some formula we didn't meet the you know requirements or whatever but i'm maybe that wouldn't be an issue this time because it was so devastating but is the federal help coming at all
1: as far as i know they are um they are following through with Mm -hmm. that i haven't seen i think maybe some people are getting checks but i don't know the amounts or Mm -hmm. exactly how that's Working. We also have um, a local resource. So there's a local assistance center at the college where people can sign up for FEMA, for U, um, USDA, and also mm-hmm. some other funding. But it's the um, it's the grant from the local community foundation. I think that's going to. Um, definitely help out our local people. So we're trying to get everybody to encourage people to donate locally. There's a process with which people fill out an application, but basically the the money is distributed based on need. So I think that's helpful than rather, you know, everybody gets a check for the same amount when somebody may not need that much or somebody may need more.
2: That
0: sort of thing. Right, right. Now, you mentioned that this is going to change some of the demographics, but how is this going to change, do you think, the local industries? You know, I'm thinking, of course, of uh, wineries, first and foremost. You know, agriculture is such a big thing in the area. So, what what has been the effect on the winery business?
1: Well, one large uh, winery lost the vineyard in a couple of houses, Mm. the Fry Vineyard. But what's great about being in such a small uh, local community is that Parducci's reached out right away, and they were able to harvest their grapes and bring them to them mm. to get bottled. So I think that's part of being in a small community is that you have people um, that can reach out and help each other. I'm not sure yet how many other or um, mm-hmm. vineyards lost things. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Okay. And what about the marijuana industry? Has has it been affected by the fires? I would
2: assume it has.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen firm numbers yet, and of course I've only heard anecdotal information, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, cannabis is a huge part of our economy Mm -hmm. here, and it definitely um you know a lot of the people grow in more rural areas like that out time Tonkai road Mm -hmm. you know there's not a lot of traffic and so and it's more you know you know your neighbor and that sort of thing so it really i think will have an an impact on our economy and Mm -hmm. unfortunately a lot of people didn't know that they could have insurance so that also you know is a bummer so i do um sell so, cannabis insurance as well it's, a, it's like other business hmm. insurance um you know and I had one client call me she's like everybody is ripping out their plants what do I do I'm like you do nothing you leave you have insurance like don't be there <laughs>
2: yeah right <laughs> it's not worth it don't, just leave <laughs> yeah
1: you have insurance that's what it's for yeah so um yeah, it, it's just hard with the changing times, you know, with the licensing requirements and the permitting and everything. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to get, you know, I always say, like, we're trying to get legit. We're trying to do the right thing and mm-hmm. get licensed and get permitted. But there's so much. And, there's, mm-hmm. and I think that people just haven't even gotten to the insurance part yet, frankly. You mm-hmm. know, they're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know why I need that. And unless you, like, sit down with somebody, insurance doesn't make sense to, I think, pretty much 85% of the population. It's mm-hmm. like, why do I need it? Mm-hmm. You know, And you always you don't need it until you need it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, well,
0: Now, is the marijuana insurance available there because of the recreational uh, status in California? Is that something no, that's come uh, about, or is that something from before then?
1: Yeah, it was definitely before then. Huh. So, 2010, wow. you would get insurance for your medical cannabis oh, okay. and, um, so you've been able to get it for a long time i didn't hear about it until after prop 64 passed mm-hmm. and i had actually um a ref come in and he said, Hey, I have this product, meaning cannabis insurance. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, I would much rather have people come in to my office and talk to me than call somebody like out of LA or yeah. San Francisco that, you know, has no idea what it's like to live up here, sure. doesn't understand. I mean, for some of my clients, I've had to talk to underwriting and be like, you know, it's way up a dirt road. Here's the security plan. Like, nobody even knows where it is. You know <clears> what <throat> I mean? They, They, they don't know us like (laughs) we like if you live around here
0: oh yeah absolutely for sure now in general how has the area been uh kind of responding to the legalization you know i remember when i was there during the whole you know measure b thing and people opposing any kind of regulation and then i remember when they had the original uh thing that didn't pass statewide a lot of people were against that locally and i guess that was also true this time too because i know it's people are worried about you know big business coming in and kind of taking out the mom and pop Growers or whatever. So, how is the local area, and, and you kind of especially been dealing with this?
1: I think that we're doing okay. Mm. Honestly, I mean, I, I mean, maybe there are people that would disagree with me, but I think we have close to 700 people in the per, in the permitting process. Mm-hmm and compared to Sonoma County where i think they have like it's less than 100 um i think that our farmers understand and and have been waiting to get out of you know the black market they're ready to not be hiding anymore. Actually, I talked to somebody, and she's like, when do I get to just say that this is what I do for a living and people won't judge me? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, but hopefully soon. <laughs> because, you know, that's the lady from PTA. That's your, um, you know, Cannabis mm-hmm. money touches every single thing in Mendocino County.
2: Absolutely. And
1: so, you know, I think supporting each other and, you um, And being there for each other and Mm -hmm. respecting those choices is so important, especially in a small town Mm -hmm. like ours. I I was just, I was thinking about it today and just the amount of people that that feel like they still have to be shamed and I think that's so disappointing to me mm-hmm. because we shouldn't feel like that in a small town
0: oh absolutely not and it would be a shame if now that it's coming into the light if you guys didn't make that transition because it's been such you know on the map for so long when it was more illicit you know what I mean so it's like now that it's yeah. kind of like coming it's like well now it's time to get your due for all the all the work you've done all these years so
1: but. right yeah. To be respected oh, yeah. as you know industry leaders, mm-hmm. and you know we have world-renowned products from here. Mm-hmm. People know about the Emerald Triangle, so why are we trying to like be shamed or to to not mm-hmm. feel you know like feel good about that? And all right. That. But right. I think I think I think I've seen kind of an interesting shift lately in that conversation mostly um again on social media but you know, people standing up and saying, Hey, like leave them alone. They're just mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're doing their job, just like you're doing your job.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, in, in the Midwest here, of course, and I'm sure other places, we've had this op- horrible op- opioid crisis. Um, and, you know, we, we've had all these pill mills be, you know, popping up and be shut down. Um, I remember the, the big problem in Ukiah, I remember, it was meth at the time. And I'm sure it still is a problem. But how has that uh, touched uh, the local area. Has it gotten that bad around there with the opioids as well? Or,
1: yeah, definitely. Actually, I was just talking to somebody this weekend who has a, a parent that you know mm-hmm. got addicted after surgery. Mm-hmm. So it really it touches um, it touches everybody, and especially in small communities. Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, Often people are looking for an escape, and so that kind of gets them there sometimes. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely here as well.
0: Well, and it seems like you said, the people who, you know, go to these doctors, if if a doctor prescribes you something, that's, you know, something that people don't think, twice about sometimes and then if they get over prescribed or get hooked or you know what I mean that's you know people don't even seem like they mean to sometimes and and next thing you know they're you know they need it and they're not even to get high it's just to, you know because they need it to not feel bad so it's it's yeah. really a shame so
1: it definitely is and um, i think there there was a recent isn't there a recent case where they actually indicted some of the pharmaceutical companies yeah, mm-hmm. for, for like, fraud and for, for selling op- opioids mm-hmm. and giving kickbacks and all oh, of yeah. that? Because it is true. You know, doctors get money or dinners or whatever it is that they get, just like politicians do. Mm-hmm. So they should be regulated as well. I mean, it was, at least that's my opinion.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, for people that want to help, uh, kind of going back to the fires, but what for people that, in the audience that want to help, what, what can people do to, to contribute and help people get back on their feet there? What's the best way?
1: I definitely encourage people to donate to the Community Foundation of Mendocino County. That's the one where they do the process of the application and people um, get get funding based on need. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we have a couple of locations where people can get free stuff. It's just that sometimes people don't want used things. Mm-hmm. So gift cards are awesome. Um and the other thing I liked about the Community Foundation is that it helps everybody. So GoFundMes are awesome, except for that unless you have somebody that's there supporting you with it, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, there's not a friend that's going to sign you up for a GoFundMe or you don't have the, um, like, social media outreach mm-hmm. to get a lot of donations. The Community Foundation is there to help everybody, and mm-hmm. I really like that.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, and that, that's good to point out that those local organizations are the one to focus on. And, and people forget about some of the practical things that people need after these things. I remember I read a story about how uh, they were trying to raise, you know, get people to donate uh, tampons after Hurricane you know, Harvey. And it's like, yeah. you don't think about that kind of stuff. But guess what? People still need that kind of stuff. And it doesn't, you know, the things don't stop happening just because there's a natural disaster, you know. So um, right. but anyway way
1: it's e- everything
0: yeah absolutely for sure well um that's pretty much everything i wanted to ask you about is there anything else i didn't ask you about that you wanted to get in there
1: uh, no, I don't think so.
0: Okay. Well, uh, before we go, the last thing uh, I end on uh, every episode is ask, what music have you been listening to lately?
1: Oh, I listen to country music. My friends make fun of me. I would love to like, like, I think that we need a line dancing place. My friends are like, you need to stop with the country music. Like I love it. My mom listened to it, you know, like when she cleaned the house on Sundays, and I know every, every single song. I'm like, Oh, that's my life. <laughs> Man, like,
0: <laughs> oh, it's definitely good. lifestyle music. But, um, as, <laughs> but as far as like, do you, what, what era of country music or artists or whatever do you, do you go for?
1: Uh, yeah, I like mostly the stuff from the nineties, like the old stuff from when I was a kid that, you know, I just remember hearing those songs with <laughs> and, uh, you know the old Garth Brook.
2: Oh, of, I was, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: high school band, you know, <laughs> driving around and in trucks. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I can't hear uh, Friends in Low Places without being, you know, sixteen, like, again, 16 again or 16
2: whatever. So you know. yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh. So true. Cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me. It'll be out on Friday, and uh, I'll definitely put a link up to the community foundation there so people can can donate. So. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Have a good day. You too. If you enjoy this podcast there are several ways to support it i have a patreon account which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash rob burgess show patreon i hope you'll consider supporting in any amount also please make sure to comment follow like subscribe share rate and review the podcast everywhere it's available which includes itunes youtube soundcloud stitcher google play music facebook twitter internet archive TuneIn, and rss it really helps The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.